Get some recipes. Yeah. Yes, sir. I can't believe you've done this. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming life's challenges. The Evolve community is your ultimate destination for personal growth and evolution. True to form, I'm, I get to continue to be the dumbest person in the room. That's fantastic. Thank you. Did you ever get a, uh, uh, a quantum physical uh, explanation for how to uh, bake a meatloaf from a porn star? Bake a meatloaf from a porn star? Uh, so, Matt, we uh, we like to start our pre-show by asking our guests what's inspiring you today. So, is there music? Is there uh, person? Are you reading a book? What What's inspired Matt Carlin today? Um, I would say music. All right. What music are you listening to? I was listening. Miles, you'll like this. I was listening to some jazz. Ah. There's not any specific kind of jazz. It was just a Spotify playlist on jazz, but it was... Okay. Back to the jazz music that always seems to calm me down and put me in a better mood for literally everything. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all on that. Casey's uh, gotten into jazz a lot more too, right? Yes, so, sir. And so, is there? So you just throw it on your Spotify. There's no like particular song or anything that, that you go to. I think the playlist was called Morning Jazz. Morning Jazz. All right. Okay. There's there you a go, morning Jimmy. Jazz you guys, scenario. Can we, can we do something because you know, Steve, yeah. I see you face all the time. And yeah. I'm only seeing like part up. Oh, there we go. There we go. Is that better? This microphone let's, over. Yeah. Right let's get some beauty. In, let's get some beauty into the frame. <laughs> on, on the Zoom today, we're doing it a little bit different. We have got Matt Carlin in house. So that's great. And uh, morning jazz is what we're going to throw out there for our listeners. Yeah, but I never and heard that, that jazz has a time of day. It's significantly it's different, different than times. afternoon jazz. Yeah. I mean, I'm. it really is. Like it, that's a thing. Well, I mean, you think about it. Nighttime, it's going to have a little bit more smooth, sultry feel to it. Put you to sleep, get you in the mood. That's what Miles was listening to right before uh, he jumped on. Evening jazz. Well, right? I, I hate to, I hate to break you guys' bubble about jazz, but My- <laughs> there is no real such thing as morning jazz. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, I was going to love... give you, Miles, the gummy jazz. Is there gummy jazz? <laughs> <laughs> that is what Miles said. Like, uh, there gummy is gummy jazz. jazz. There is gummy jazz. <laughs> gummy jazz. <laughs> All right, Miles on the piano. Hits me with some gummy jazz. I'm, I'm going to give you guys a playlist, and then I'm going to write down some things, and I'm going to send it to you. All right, we're gonna no, no, do a short. I'm, I'm like a more of like a called gummy jazz. I'm like more of a, a a brunch late afternoon jazz guy. You like to sleep in, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Pull the lint out of your belly button. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever it takes, brother. I love it. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. Pulling the lint from his belly button, a man who ran once from Las Vegas, Nevada, is Casey Mitchell. Welcome, Casey. That's a that's a stretch saying I ran once. I probably thought about it. Maybe it depended on what was in the refrigerator 
when I was on the couch. And that just yeah. Depends. Yeah. Run slash stumble. And the man uh, with the fell gummies fast. fell fast towards the refrigerator. The man with the gummies and a man who once <laughs> rode to the top of Snowbird on the tram <laughs> in Oberlin, Ohio, is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Wow, did you, did you see that picture? You remember that? That was one of the highlights of living in Utah. I mean, I've had many, but riding up that trail, that was like unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Anyway. You talk fast. Thank you. Um, and moaning in pain from injury by trying to keep up with our guest today. I am Steve Cutler. So today our guest is a crazy man. Health and fitness expert Matt Carlin is in the house today. Welcome, Matt. We're excited to have you. Um, so we want to do this a little bit different. We normally throw a bio out there. This is going to be a fun bonus episode. So I want you to tell our guests or our uh, listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you get into health and fitness? And uh, and then we're going to hear some crazy stories from Mr. Matt Carlin today. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Steve. I think um, starting off getting into health and fitness, it has to be from high school. I didn't go to a normal high school. I went to a classical high school. So we studied grammar logic, rhetoric, Latin, a lot of Latin. Casey, do you know what uh, Latin is? I, uh, what? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so studying Latin. So studying Latin, a big part of studying Latin was uh, all this Greco-Roman mythology. And I mean, these gods were pretty ripped. They were pretty fit guys. Oh, I know and that. I, know um, that. I was constantly there. in these Latin textbooks thinking, these guys, they got it together. They know what's going on. I should yes. look like that. And um, yeah, one thing led to another. I, uh, I started bodybuilding and powerlifting, trying to look like Aeneas himself. Nice. And uh, yeah, just kind of got super into it. Eventually went to college, started studying uh, nutrition and exercise physiology. Um, Matt, were you, in the movie, were you in the movie 300? He was the movie 300. He was the movie. He was Leonidas. Leonidas. Another life. Yeah, he, Matt Carlin is the reincarnation of Leonidas. I yeah, just it. trying to kick people into ditches a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, sure. Big, this big one. is Utah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've got a master's in nutrition. In right? nutrition, correct. And you're a registered dietitian, certified yep. personal trainer, you ran a nutrition program for a lot of years, ran a personal training department. You, I'm, I mean, you've done it all in fitness, right? Yeah. Coach strength conditioning, collegiate level. Yeah. So today. And he, he was my boss. He was your boss. Hey, was Matt, where were you? Where were you? He, I, think my boss. Coach at? I remember those great <laughs> meetings we would have. <laughs> <laughs> I like those meetings. Those are my favorite ones. <laughs> I love those Casey, meetings. Casey, what Matt, was your question? I was, I was curious where Matt was the strength conditioning coach at in college. Uh, so I was interning at uh, University of Missouri. So Mizzou. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did some uh, some work at University of Utah as well. Very cool. Yeah. I uh, have a lot of good memories with strength coaches in college. So that's cool. Awesome. It's fun. It's yeah. uh, just getting in there, throwing around some weight, having yeah. a good time. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Love yeah. it. So we, we asked Matt to come on, not just because he's a, a smart guy with a lot of uh, book knowledge, 
but Matt has done some things that no one else has done, um, or very few people have done, I should say. So um, Matt, let's start with telling people about how you come up with these crazy ideas. So every once in a while, something pops in your brain and you just say, hey, I should go do X. How does that, talk to us about that creative process of coming up with these crazy ideas that you go out and do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's, there's some method to the madness. So there's also no method to the madness, right? Um, so lately I've been on a pretty big kick of going out and doing uh, kind of just big shitty days for lack of better terminology out in the outdoors somewhere. BSD, write that down, Casey. Big <laughs> shitty days. I have those every morning at 4 a.m. <laughs> like clockwork baby <laughs> there's, hey, now there's the t-shirt big on the back of the shirt on the back of the shirt like clockwork baby like clockwork baby there you go yeah. that's our new t-shirt i love it so what are your big shitty days? What is this? What does that consist of? So big shitty days would consist of uh, running across the Grand Canyon twice, yeah. ski traversing uh, volcano ranges, or um, what? Climbing Mount Rainier. There's this one called the Whirl out here in in Utah. Just yeah. this random grouping of uh, I think it's eighteen, maybe twenty two mountains uh, you traverse. Have and you done any? Have you done any fourteeners in Colorado, Matt? No, yeah, that's, that's I think easy. I've gotten. 11 of them down? I did I, uh, to go. I did Mount Evans yeah. twice. Nice. That's a good one. Miles, you woke up today. You know the best thing about Mount Evans is you can drive 14,140 feet. And then you only have to walk 130 feet. <laughs> you, did it, you just took the road up, huh? So when you but, say you but, did it, you but drove the, it. But the magnet on my fridge says, I did Mount Evans. Good for you. 14 270, baby. Wow. You are a true powerhouse, Casey. You know what? I, I just knocked it out of the park. It's all I did. I just took it and went with it. So. You're basically the best there is. <laughs> if you want any advice on mountaineering, I got plenty. I got plenty. Good. Yeah. Let's start with uh, the rim to rim. So, mm -hmm. this was one of those that I saw you go through. Uh, explain to our listeners what the rim to rim is and how you like, let's, let's start with what is it? What's the rim to rim? Well, first off, it was the rim to rim to rim. Okay. Yeah. So you start on one side of the grand Canyon, you run down to the Colorado river, you go back up to the other side of the grand Canyon. And then you remember that your car is on the other side of the Grand Canyon, so you got to go back again. <laughs> did you, did you get a water break at the river? You can't jump. Yeah. Did you do a yeah, water yeah, break you at the river? Yeah, get water down there. Like a horse. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely <laughs> sat in the creek for a good second. Oh, yeah, that'd be good uh, for your back. legs. I need to cool off. For your legs. So, yeah. so there's no people can able jumping the Grand Canyon to get back to the other side. You've actually got to run down, run back up. Yeah, I so much would have preferred like the road jump, runner? Yeah. The road runner? Is it like a lot of dust behind you, like the road runner? Yes, definitely. Yeah, this little thing That's chasing what, me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> good. So how did you come up Wait, with this idea to go rim to rim to rim? Hold on, gummies just, here. Just for our listeners, just for no, for real, just for our listeners. 
so we could just be really clear on what Matt just said, because that just sounds ridiculously powerful. You have you said you run down into the Grand Canyon and up, and then you got to come back. Yeah, yeah. Then you reverse it. Okay. All right. But, but I just wanted to, to make sure that the word "run" because it literally Matt literally ran. So yeah. ran down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, ran back up the other side, down and back up to his car. Oh wow! How many miles is that? Uh, it's around fifty miles and about. 11,000 uh, elevation gain, 11,000 feet, wow. so about two oh, miles up and down. What was your time I frame? hope you have a nice car. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 14 hours. Wow. So 14 hours. Casey, how long did it take you to make that 100 feet to get to the top of that mountain? Well, well, Stephen, it was 130 feet. So okay, so it was it about an took, hour and a half. It took about two and a half hours. Good, good. Several water breaks, a few cans of O2, and a sandwich. <laughs> Give me a sandwich. Give me a sandwich. Okay, so, <laughs> so, Matt, you did over 11,000 feet of elevation gain. And standard for elevation gain is about an hour per uh, 1,000 feet, right? It's kind of what I've read. Now, everybody's different, but to, to do over 50 miles in 14 hours Talk to us. Let's back up before we talk about the experience of going through that. Let's talk about what did you do once you decided that you were going to do this? Actually, I got to back up even further. What made you decide you were going to do this? We are way back. Yeah. We're going way back. Yeah. For putting it in reverse that far, um, it goes back to a sign. So I visited the Grand Canyon a couple of years. We're talking about like angelic sign. Somebody came down from heaven and said, Matt, run the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. No, we're talking like a literal sign that was sign, put sign. in the ground. Gotcha. Yeah. So I was, I was at the Grand Canyon visiting with my parents, I think. This isn't the voices you hear, Casey. <laughs> I hear them, though. <laughs> well, this sign said, do not attempt to go to the Colorado River and back up in one day. You will surely get heat exhaustion and die or something like that. I had a little picture of some dude throwing up. Um <laughs> I just said, you know, screw this sign. This sign is ridiculous. I'm not only going to go down to the uh, Colorado River and back up again once. I'm going to do it twice. And, um, yeah, it's where it was born out of, that, that damn sign. It really aggravated me. So a sign pissed you off. Yeah. And at that point, you decided, screw that sign. I'm going to do this thing twice. I'm going to do twice what the sign tells me not to do. Exactly. I love it. Okay, so yeah. it's a great lesson for our listeners Whenever they see a sign, they've just got to say, to hell with that. I'm going to do double what do you double the sign. So if, if I'm not supposed to eat and go into the pool, yeah. I'm going to eat an entire chicken and then jump into the pool. Right? Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm not supposed to run after or on the, on the pool deck. I'm going to try and sprint. Yeah, run, speed climb up the diving board, and yes. then do a double backy into the pool okay. after you've eaten Good. all that meal. Not <laughs> so a few times. <laughs> no, you just belly flopped. So when you, when you have this idea and you said to yourself, okay, I've got to do this thing. It's called the triple walk us through the, tr <laughs> the triple Casey. <laughs> what, walk us through the, uh, the, the plan that you put together to train for this, because this was something that when, when you and I talked about this blew me away. I mean, I was absolutely floored when you told me what you were doing to train for it. So walk our listeners through what your training looked like. 
Well, I knew I wanted to do it for a while. So for a while, I was just keeping my activity high. Yeah. Just getting out, didn't matter, backcountry skiing, hiking, running, just kind of a mix, biking, just kind of a mix of things. Okay. But then as I narrowed it in, gave myself probably like three or four months to train for it, like full commit train where I would just run. The issue is that up until this point in my life, I'd only run more than seven miles once in my life. Wow. So, you know, obviously the natural thing is you only run more than seven miles once to try for 50. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, exactly yeah, why is thinking? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Screw that sign. Yeah. Um, so, so decided to put this training program together, started off and, you know, it's it kind of stuck to the to basics, kind of increased my volume 10% week over week and steadily, uh, got higher and higher in terms of vert and in terms of length of trail run miles. He said in terms of vert. Okay. You follow? I, I think he means vertical. I, I get it. Yes. I think I get it. Well, he just said get higher and higher. Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't ever come down. <laughs> All right. So 10% a week. 10% a week. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, five days a week is just kind of more cardiovascular training, mostly running. So one cross training day. Okay. Yeah. So when you, when you were prepping for this, kind of like some of the final prep, mm -hmm. you did a pretty long run mm. and strung a few different, uh, trailheads create like just unbelievable uh what you did to to prep for this it, to me when you told me what you were doing to prep for it that in and of itself blew my mind so what was the final uh run that you did to to prepare to do the rim to rim to rim yeah the final one i strung together was a 40 mile run but this whole process was pretty fun on the long days because i would essentially just go on cal topo and string together trails that I thought were cool wow. and could be strung together with other trails. So that was kind of like the whole MO of the training cycle is, hey, I could do these other trails with these trails and really just play around with the idea of the human body traveling, obviously, through, through Earth to a different place where you would normally need a car to get to or it would normally take you forever to get to. Yeah. But the final one, uh, for those Utahns listening, I started at the base of Little Cottonwood Canyon ran up the entire canyon, ran up and down Alta ski area, Snowbird, over to Brighton, hit Solitude as well. So basically ran through four ski resorts, uh, came back down the canyon, ran up to Red Pine Lake, came back down, and then all the way back out. So there's a lot of people even, I, I mean, we've got listeners from all over the U.S. We've got a few international that have been to Utah, they've skied these resorts. So you you ran Alta, Snowbird, Brighton, and Solitude. Those four resorts, you ran all four of those in addition to running the canyon that takes you up to Alta and Snowbird. Yeah, and also up to Red Pine Lake. Yeah, and Red Pine. So Red Pine. Yeah, how is, many uh, sandwich stops did you have? <laughs> <laughs> I did have two separate bear canisters stashed. Okay. So it was it was a total, I suppose, of four stops. Because you got to keep the, the calories up for that kind of bad boy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Rehydrate, refuel, change yeah. out. Yeah. Gear, yeah. keep going. Did you carry but like a cool. camel pack for water, or did you? What'd you do? Yep, trail running vest. So oh, kind of okay. like a camel back, but it yeah, yeah. it forms a little better to your body, so it's easier to move with. Cool. 
So how long did, did you use Generation UCAM? I did <laughs> use some Generation UCAM, Miles. Definitely. I used a lot of Generation UCAM. What in the world is that? <laughs> you, yes. gotta look, you gotta look that up, Casey. That's a that that was a big thing here. It's a slow burning carbohydrate supplement. But a so, lifetime favorite. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. let's talk about that. How long did that take you to do that entire route? That was probably my best, um, my best run of the whole training cycle. The Grand Canyon actually showed up and, and my body kind of fell apart on, but it only took me eight and a half hours, to eight, do, eight to hours of moving miles. time. Yeah. 40 miles. Yeah. Eight, eight and a half hours. And what was the elevation gain on that? I think that was 9,500 wow. vertical feet. Yeah. Okay. So your, your final training run, 40 miles, about 9,500, you're training to do about 50 miles and 11,000. Okay. That's unbelievable. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit. Now you're at the Grand Canyon. Walk us through this experience of getting uh, this rim to rim to rim done. Mm-hmm. When you, you drove down there, did you camp? Did you stay in a hotel? What did this look like for you? Well, I drove down there and things immediately started going wrong as often they do on big shooting days. Yeah. So drove down there, going through my gear checklist the night before, discovered that my headlamp was turned on in my backpack the entire time that we were driving the six hours down <laughs> the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and uh, now we're currently out of juice for the headlamp. That's awesome. It's no problem. There's a convenience shop, you know, nearby by the campsite that we're camped out at. You know, there's a full moon, too. <laughs> full moon, uh, except for the fact that there was a storm rolling in and it was getting pretty cloudy. <laughs> So that wasn't helpful. Uh, that's not helpful. That's not kept helpful. his pants up, Casey. Oh, he didn't run naked? I thought you were like a, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it would have given me more speed. I don't know. Yeah. The wind uh, between the go, legs. <laughs> we go to the convenience store. Unfortunately, it was the last weekend the North Rim of the Grand Canyon was open, and so they did not restock their battery supply. So zero batteries equaling zero headlamp for the day, the next day. I'd plan to get up early, start by 4.30 a.m. But, you know, as as things often happen, the sun's not up by 4.30 a.m. And without a headlamp, it's very difficult to run on steep technical terrain. So had to push back my start time. Sounds like an excuse to me. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah. maybe it is. Yeah, should have just manned up, huh? Yeah, I would have. Nut up or shut up. (laughs) So I set There's my alarm back for a few more hours. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> set my alarm back a few hours. Um, eventually start as the sun's rising, so I get some sunlight. Um, so that was that was all right. Just way later than I anticipated. Got about ten minutes into the run, and if you're a runner, in particular a long distance runner, you kind of know right off the bat if it's going to be a, your day. Or if it's yeah, not going to yeah. be your day. Yeah. That was a very true statement. And unfortunately, you know, I was sleeping in an air mattress on a tent in 40 degree weather. Probably had something to do with it, but figured out pretty quick it was not my day. Yeah. yeah. But you trained the whole year for it. You drove all the way down to the Grand Canyon. You got to do it. There's no other options. Right. I mean, your right. shoes are on. Might as well. Shoes are on. Yeah, might as well go yeah. for it. <laughs> so... <laughs> On I go, plodding along down the Grand Canyon, and uh, knowing it's not my day, I very quickly realized that it is oddly humid in the Grand Canyon that That day. That would be weird. It's weird, right? Grand Canyon's in a desert. 
Deserts are normally pretty dry. So was there a storm rolling in? My backyard here. Yeah. Yeah, there was a storm rolling in. It's oddly humid uh, in your armpits, Casey. It is oddly humid in my armpits. <laughs> so there's a, okay. So, so there's it's a storm. Just, yeah, it starts spitting rain on and off all day. Again, oh, weird wow. for a desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think too much of it because the rain on my face feels kind of nice. Um, but I get all the way down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It's kind of my first stop to get some more water or really refuel. And um, I just kind of think to myself, I'm like, man, I feel really sweaty whatever got to keep going right so keep running run back up to the top of the grand canyon on the other side um it uh, all in all the first crossing took me five and a half hours felt pretty good um you know my legs were getting a little tired but you know, felt great um again a little sweaty um don't think too much of it got some snacks snacks were great start running back down and um the first halfway down the grand canyon was pretty cool it was great you know, moseying along, I was grateful to be running downhill instead of uphill because yeah. uphill was very challenging. So it's about 25 miles already, right? Yeah, yeah, about 25 yeah. miles to the okay. to the rim. Start coming back down, and all of a sudden, uh, something weird happened where I was running along, telling my body to keep running, but then my legs would legitimately stop as my brain was trying to tell my legs to keep running. Never experienced anything like it before, but oh. the legs just wouldn't want to run um like normally you're like yeah legs run and they would just stop so i was starting to get pretty deep in the hole of fatigue this is is as you're going down as i'm going down so you're not you're not going back up the other side you're going down and you're starting to run into trouble yep yeah yeah so starting to run into trouble obviously running downhill very tough on the legs right right and then i start to put the pieces together and realize that I have been sweating a considerable amount, more than I normally do, due to the humidity. So you're dehydrated. You're losing yeah, clinically dehydrated. Yep. Right. And um, I start putting two and two together about what's happening and just realize how far behind the curve I am. And it's just a kind of an oh shit moment. Like, I'm. this is not going to be great. I still got 6,000 vertical feet to climb out of this this canyon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it. so I start going through the the motions of deciding what to do. I eventually have, ba- make I think it. You can rent donkeys to help you get should, out. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. Out there at Havasupai, you can have donkeys carry your backpack out. Yeah, Sounds pretty you. nice. Sounds better than doing it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> rent, a, rent a jackass or become one. Uh, it's probably it's both. One, that's for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. so, so when did you? What did you do as you got down to the bottom? So down at the bottom, I, I forget what it's called, but there's like a little uh, section of cabins down there. There's like a little development. Yeah. There's a little place you can go in and buy like a little ice cream or oh, um, cool. drink or something. Yeah, yeah. It's super nice. Um, but the challenging thing about this cabin to go buy your little ice cream is there's three steps leading up to it, which normally is fine. Three steps is no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've done you've done. A lot of steps, yeah, yeah, at this a lot point. Of steps. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of steps, steps have been had. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I get to this cabin, and uh, those three steps up to buy that ice cream were the hardest three steps I had taken. Did you pull a Joe Biden <laughs> going up to Air Force <laughs> One and <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> if you blame it on the wind. <laughs> 
afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was definitely the win. It was the win. It was Mark definitely the win. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Joe fell because of the win. <laughs> yeah, right. for sure. So getting those steps was tough. Yep. And then um, – I, I did have a nice delicious ice cream or, or Slurpee. I can't even remember what it was. My brain was so messed up at the time. At, at that point, it doesn't matter what you put in your body. It's just calories. Yeah. You just got to get the calories in. Definitely. Right? Exactly. Yeah, a lot of times I'll do soda. Yeah. But it's weird how much you can tolerate at that point when you're so yeah, far yeah. in the hole. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen an ultra runner train once and he ate like there's his support team pulled up alongside, handed him a pizza. Yeah, and he sat yeah. there and ate a pizza yeah. while he was running. <laughs> it's like, it's a weird concept what? when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, much, so many calories at that point. Yeah. Okay, so you get ice cream. You get what else do you get while you're down there? I think I had like a little like a uh, lemonade. Okay. Yeah, a little ice cream and lemonade. And, um, Sounds like a vacation at this point. Yeah, I was trying to take a vacation in my mind from yeah. the pain in my legs. Right. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I sat there for about 45 minutes contemplating life and death and if I could actually make it out of this canyon. It was the first time I was legitimately concerned if I would ever complete an adventure that I had set my mind to. Yeah, because normally when you do adventures and you climb mountains, right, you go uphill first and then all you got to do is go downhill. Right. Significantly easier than ending your day by going uphill another 6000 vert. Right. Right. But you know, decided it was the best thing to do was just, just sally forth and keep going. So get back on the trail and um, start off on a little, little uphill trot, trying my hardest. And there's this hiker in front of me. And I pass the hiker. I'm, I'm trotting along. I'm, I'm not passing him by very much, right? But I'm passing him, right? I feel good about myself. You got to trot, not a hike, not a, a walk. Yeah, at this point. yeah. exactly, maybe, right? Maybe not so much a run. Definitely not a run. But you got to trot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to trot. And I'm feeling yeah. good about it. All right. Yeah. Like so, a show horse at this point, right? <laughs> exactly. You're so, a little high knees. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, not a lot show. to show for. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm looking right. a little haggard. <laughs> so I trot past him. And sure enough, right, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the can. I'm in the hole right here. So I eventually have to sit down because I'm so tired. Casey, when he says he's in the can, he's talking about a different can. <laughs> make sure we're clear there. It was a big shitty day, though. <laughs> it's like clockwork, baby. Like clockwork. Like clockwork, this hiker comes up and passes me. And I'm like, dang, I was so proud of passing this guy in my little trot. Yeah. So I get back up on my feet and I trot past him again. And sure enough, I'm too far in the hole and have to sit down again. And Mr. Hiker comes back and passes me again. And we do this a couple now more it's times. Ego. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just ego now. It's ego. ego plays a lot in, in moments like this. And so I keep trotting past him, and he keeps walking past me, and we're playing leapfrog. <laughs> and eventually I come to the realization, if I just hike at the same pace this hiker is going at, it's the same pace as me trotting and sitting and trotting and sitting, mm. but probably a lot more efficient to just walk. Yeah. And so I get back up and eventually concede to the fact that I am relegated to a walking pace. Um, so hobbling back out of the Grand Canyon, making piss poor time. And eventually, as often happens in the course of the day, the sun starts to set. Hmm. Now, if you remember from and you've been sweating, been sweating, you're, you mean often like two, every like 12 hours, 24, every 24. Thank you. 
<laughs> yep. We don't live in Vegas where it's uh, sunny most of the day like that. Sun setting, right? And if you remember back to earlier in the story, the crucial piece of gear that I am missing right now is the headlamp. It's the headlamp. Yeah. No headlamp. Actually, it's the batteries. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Had the headlamp, but no batteries. Yeah. <laughs> we have Casey on. <laughs> I am a detail-oriented so, person. Fact checker 101. Fact there you go. I'm doing the math in my head, and the math doesn't add up. Right? It's quick. I'm quickly realizing. So what what time is this about? I mean, the sun's going down. What time of the year? It was October. We, so we're sitting at what? Seven, eight o'clock? Yeah, o'clock? something like that, around okay. seven. I think I remember thinking these thoughts at 6.30 p.m. The, okay. the oh, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, You got no headlamp. No headlamp, right? Full, full moon, where, where are we at, like in the moon cycle? Good full we, moon, but okay. the rain comes back. Oh, As the okay. sun is setting, the rain comes back. The temperature drops as you're climbing in elevation. Yep, so you got clouds, you got temperature drop. Yep. And you're dehydrated. It's 45 degrees out wow. and it's raining and I'm in my little tiny running shorts. Wow. Um, so yeah, yeah, bad, bad recipe. So I start to think about it. And if I, if I drop out here, if my headlamp goes out or excuse me, if I don't have any light, then I can't move because this trail's on the edge of a cliff and it's right. pitch black with the rain coming in. And if I can't move, it's 45 degrees and raining and I'm in little running shorts and if I stop moving, I'm probably going to get pretty cold and it's not going to be a great night. Yeah, you're, you're talking hypothermia at that point. Yeah. So it, when you're talking about being on the edge of a cliff, trying to get out of this. Now, you and I have talked about this before, but there are moments when you're out there and everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Your mind is not quite in it. Mm-hmm. Right? What, what did that feel like for you right then? What was the emotion? What was what was going through your head and your and your heart at that time? Well, the gut instinct is to think, why the hell am I doing this? This was the dumbest <laughs> Self, idea ever. Self-criticism. Yep. Self-criticism. I should pick up knitting. <laughs> but um, that's where that mind goes <laughs> initially. All right, all right. Good enough. Good enough. Maybe I'll keep running. You've done Yeah. So, so that's the initial instinct, but it was very interesting because if you're able to get your mind around to the fact that this is what you chose, this is what you've been training for, for the past three months to a year, you'd actually be rather be nowhere else because this was your, your shot. This was your one thing you wanted to do this year. All of a sudden, everything got a lot better. Mm. So it'd be, it's this oscillation of going from a very dark mindset, self-deprecating, why are you so stupid, yep, right, yep. to, hey, this is this is what you wanted. You're in a beautiful place, right, doing an amazing thing. And the difference in my pace was incredible. Mm. When I'm in the self-deprecating pl- place, I'm moving at about half a mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I start to think why I'm here, the reasons why I'm doing it, all of a sudden the pace picks up, yeah. the energy picks up. I'm moving up the canyon wall again. It's, the power of the mind is unbelievable. And when you're talking about being in this kind of darker place, um, there is a real safety issue there, right? I, for, for our listeners who have not experienced something like this uh, on the physical realm, going and pushing their body to another level, 
when you when you get dehydrated, when you get tired, your mind starts to go, and you're talking about this massive drop off. That that's a real issue because you can get confused. You can go in different directions. I mean, you, you, you hear these stories of people who get lost in the desert or who get lost in the mountains. And you're like, well, how did they do that? It, it, it's actually pretty common. If you're dehydrated, if you don't have the right fuel, if you're exhausted, the mind starts to go. And so this is, at this point, Matt, if I'm hearing you right, as much of a mental challenge as it is a physical challenge, if not more so, right? Oh, it's way more of a mental challenge than physical. It's it's pure mental at this point. So so what did you do in this moment? And and the reason I want to ask this question before you answered is is our listeners are going through mental challenges right now in their life. They they may not be the physical I'm trying to, you know, go rim to rim to rim, but they may be at the edge of whatever they feel like they can handle. And the principles apply the same. So what did you do in this moment to get yourself mentally back on track? I think, you know, I've always kind of followed a three-step process for getting mentally back on track. Okay. First one is just taking a deep breath. Breath is the most powerful override into the central nervous system. Yeah. Yep. Right. So we can calm down that flight or fi- fight or flight response really quickly. Truly does like deep, deep breath. Yeah. Chemically changes the brain. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's incredibly powerful. So mm-hmm. the first thing is to recenter, take a deep breath, right? Start getting back into your senses and out of this fight or flight response. Yeah. Next, which is, thing, a, which is a great, uh, so I know that there are people out there that deal with imposter syndrome. They deal with frustrations in life where they feel like they can't overcome it, but it's amazing what a deep breath can do in that moment to mm-hmm. reset and allow them to go forward. So mm-hmm. this is not just a physical thing. It's a, it's a mental, it's a psychological, it's an emotional thing. This resets everything. So you took a deep breath. Yep. What's step number two? Step number two is focusing on the positives. Okay. So positives, like I said before, where I'm exactly where I want to be right now. Mm-hmm. I chose to be here. I trained for this. I'm 75% of the way through this, right? I still got legs that are functioning, right? I've, I've got 10 fingers. I've got 10 toes. Yep. There's oxygen in the air, mm-hmm. right? Things are good, right? I'm still moving. You're on planet Earth. There's I'm on gravity. planet Earth, <laughs> right? I was actually not a fan of gravity at that time, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it wasn't positive. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way every morning I wake it up. It wasn't gravity. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, but that's, a, that's a great point. I, so when I said, what's step two, you said focus on the positive. The first thing you went to was self-accountability. Mm-hmm. So for many, many people, when challenges happen, we rush away from self-accountability. It's the damn car. It's the piece of shit, whatever, mm-hmm. right? We're blaming something else. But the positive is really that you're in control. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And you're noticing and naming what you've got going on for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and you're you got actually naming there. these things. You're, yeah. you're, you're going through, you're saying, Hey, I've got legs at work. Yep. I got 10 fingers. I got 10 toes. Oxygen in the air. Oxygen I chose to be air. here. Okay. Yeah. I made a choice. I love that. Yep. Okay. Sticking to those guns. You know, what's interesting. What, what I'm hearing just below the surface is this idea in Buddhism where mm. you surrender mm. to the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like everything that you did 
even though it's verbalized, of appreciating this is where I want to be, you start to realize when you get out of that self-deprecating talk, what you've really done is just surrendered to the present moment. And in the present moment, all you're doing is existing and being. So that's really what I'm hearing. And I think on that note, Miles, a lot of people when they're faced with that amount of pain or any amount of pain, try to go somewhere else, right? They try to not exist right. in that moment because it's a painful moment. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I found that if you accept that moment, you stay present in the moment and you acknowledge what's happening, yeah. it's way better for making decisions. It's way better for getting through. Uh, yeah. you, you'll find you're able to tolerate that pain in way yeah. easier of a way than trying to run away from it. Well, it now, is interesting. You find God, you brought up the uh, Buddhism because you know, the Buddha, uh, through meditation, achieving enlightenment, found that uh, life is pain. Life is suffering. And how do we how do we enjoy the moments in the midst of the suffering? Casey, what were you going to say? Well, I was, when you were going through the that period where it looked like it was maybe not going to go really well, and then you got to that, I guess, in a way, moment of clarity... Did you find yourself eliminating, like, was your mind spinning with uh, options, thoughts, and results? And then did you have to reel it in and say, this is my only path forward? And if you did that, was that part of that process that got your mind in a more positive, powerful state? Or what was it? What was it that happened? Yeah, 100%. So... Basically, your mind goes to all the scenarios, right? Just survival instinct. You play through every possible scenario that could happen right now multiple times. And so you'll find some bad ones, obviously, that you don't want to go towards. And then you'll find some good ones, too, hopefully, right? And, and, you know, that's eventually what you got to gravitate towards. The the bad's easy. The bad is almost like our survival instinct, don't you Mm. think? Yeah. Yeah. As humans, I think we're wired to understand the bad, what bad things could happen. Yeah. So we should avoid them. So what Mark Twain said, I've known a great many problems in my life and some of them actually happen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and going to the bad is the easiest thing for us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. I, I mean, I go there all the time, mm-hmm. but then it's, I, I think mental strength, emotional uh, resilience, which in my opinion is way, way too, um, it, it, it's a, it's a commodity. We just don't have enough of in, in our society today. We have become so weak minded, so weak in our emotional intelligence, but if we can have resilience we can move through these things. And this is a time where your resilience was tested. So you started going through step two, like you were talking about, and you focused on the positive. What, what was step three? Step three is breaking it down, right? So we, I went through all the scenarios in my head, identified the good scenarios. And it's okay. You can take a drink. You don't have to keep take, uh, talking. Well, <laughs> all right. Appreciate that. You, you, you're held on to your cup and then set it back down. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Uh, step number three is is breaking it down into small pieces, right? So you yeah. find out the good solution, and then you attack the good solution. But 
obviously I still got probably at this point, 4,000 vertical feet and, you know, nine miles to go before I'm getting out of the Grand Canyon. So if, if the, for, for an average person, that would probably take about eight hours, eight to nine hours. Yeah. It'd take like a lot. 4,000 4, vertical feet would be four, but you're talking about, you throw nine miles on top of that. That's a pretty steep incline. So for <clears> most people, that would be seven, eight, nine miles, or excuse me, seven, eight, nine hours left of climbing out of this for an average person. So if you think about it from that perspective, right, it's way too big of a goal. Huge. Your mind's like, ah, oh, it's bad. Don't yeah. think about that, right? right. Like I, that's too much. It's going to crush me. Yeah. But you break it down, right? So you say, okay, I need to make it to this point at this time, right? I need to do this thing by this time. For me, um, it was, I need to catch that group up there before my cell phone battery dies. So I remember back to the whole point that I have no headlamp and it's pitch black outside. Yeah. Um, so handy dandy cell phones these days have little flashlights on them. So I'm going off my cell phone flashlight for light, yeah. <laughs> Wow. which was cool um, and great. Worked awesome, right? It's, it's really bright. The iPhone does a great job with it. Um, the problem was I looked at my cell phone battery and that battery showed me 2%. Wow. It's a good day for <laughs> batteries for you. Oh man, yeah, yeah, horrible, horrible batteries, right? <laughs> horrible Gosh. Batteries. Uh, so, how many batteries so do you have in your glove box in your car the right now? Cell phone <laughs> this sounds like Casey's cell phone. <laughs> my okay, cell phone, so, <laughs> so, so my objective, right? I've got to make it to this group because I could see them. They've got headlamps on, right? I got to make them to this, make it to this group. I got to catch them before my cell phone battery dies. Because if I can catch them, I can walk behind them and like go where they're going, you, so I know the trail hear to get a out. Voice say, "Go towards the light." Yeah, definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. That's, <another laughs> that's, that's next time. That's next time. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going towards the light, right? And I'm just I'm picking my pace up because if I don't pick my pace up, my cell phone battery dies again. I've got no light. It's pitch black. Big old cliff right there. Um, I'd probably have to hunker down in the middle of the night, like 40 degree weather and, um, and, and it raining. So that, that's not an option. Like that's uh, that's like a very bad survival scenario. Right. So I'm trying to make it to those people. So it was great. Eventually made it to those people. Next set of people. I see more headlamps up there. I'm catching those guys. I'm taking them down. I'm getting to those guys. Mm -hmm. And so I just start playing that leapfrog game, right? I'm trying to get to the next group, get to the next group to break it down in terms yeah. of like more feasible steps. So, so this is a technique that is applicable in every aspect of life, but it's something I've, I've heard, I've read so many times, people that climb Mount Everest, they use this same technique that you're using. It's okay, I'm, I'm gonna go another 20 steps. I'm gonna go another 40 steps, whatever it is, whatever mm -hmm. they can imagine in their mind. And then once they get there, they keep going. Mm -hmm. So you're applying an amazing technique that I think people can take away so once you start leapfrogging people, how does that change your mindset and or your emotional condition? Yeah, it gives you positives. I mean, you just accomplished a goal, right? Mm, yeah. The goal was just to get to that next group of people. And once you did it, awesome, right? We can keep going, right? Yeah. Goal number one is accomplished. I got a good self-esteem boost, right? Like I, I accomplished something I set my mind to. 
I can do that again. Yeah. Right. I yeah. can do that again. And it builds. You get into yeah. a better and a better place. Yeah, so let's, let's put this in perspective. You're mm-hmm. doing this on on uh, some ice cream and maybe a lemonade. <laughs> yeah, maybe okay. a honey stinger waffle in there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the point is, far too often, people make excuses as to why they can't accomplish their goals. And it's not about the cleanliness of your diet at this point. It's not mm-hmm. about, did were all the conditions perfect? You set a goal. You made it happen. Mm -hmm. And then you said, oh, there's something else I'm going to go chase to get to my next goal. Mm -hmm. And and you you just said, there's no way I'm not going to achieve that. Right. Exactly. So the emotional state changes, the mental state changes. When did when did you feel that shift where you said in your own mind, you said, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to just keep going. What, What was the change for you? I don't know if there was a distinct moment where there was a shift, but it was just a culmination of those small steps. Okay. Right. A culmination of those small little wins. Mm. Right. I think, you know, speaking of anything that's going on in your life, I think that's a very important principle is just to get in the habit of winning. I had a strength coach, Dan John was his name and his name, Dan John, right. Two first names. That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy was a legend. And, and one of the biggest takeaways that I had was for an entire training cycle, he would never miss a lift, mm. right? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't bite off more than he could chew, right? But the goal was to get your mindset into a place where all you do is win, 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 no matter what, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's just the continual, I can accomplish a goal. I set something that was easy to accomplish. I did it. I'm going to do another small thing. I got to do it again. Another small thing, do it again. Yeah. And you develop the psychology of what I stick my head to, I go get and I track it down. No matter what happens, I win. It's unbelievable. So what you're talking about is something that in uh, in the book, uh, the, the Power of uh, Moments, Chip and Dan Heath talk about. And then in, um, shoot, what's the guy's name? Habits or uh, anyway. Uh, but it, it's about creating habits and moments that you can look back on and say, I achieved that. I won there. Uh, so let's say somebody wants to lose 50 pounds and their goal, first and foremost, is to show up at the gym every single day. They walk in, they swipe the card, they leave. They don't do anything. Well, once they're there, maybe they'll go get five minutes on the treadmill. Then five minutes turns into 10 minutes. Then 10 minutes turns into... 20 minutes and over time they've lost their 50 pounds it's about the wins and far too often we think we're going to go from couch potato eating potato chips to lean and ripped in no time at all right but what you're talking about is the small wins are how you create this momentum right 100 so you're passing people Tell, tell the rest of the story here. It's, it's, so how, how did you eventually win in the way that you wanted to? Well, it was weird. It was, um, I think all of a sudden I was just out of the canyon. Obviously it was pitch black, so I didn't know where I was. But it was just gaining momentum, gaining momentum. I started feeling better and better, actually, which is weird. I mean, you started going on hour 13, 14, right? And obviously you think you'd be shutting down more and more. Yeah. 
but in fact, I was powering up. I was feeling better and better and better. Seems like with your your incremental wins, it also tapped into a runner's high. Yeah, a runner's high. It's just a different release of chemicals in the body that just go. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's all tied in there, right? Runner's yeah. high, you get yourself on this mental high, yeah. everything starts to flow again, right? So a few gummies. Yes. It's all good. A few gummies, a few jazz gummies. <laughs> a few jazz gummies. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> your jazz gummies made it through the Grand Canyon, brother. <laughs> so at some point you find yourself at the top of the canyon. Yeah. And, um, and, and I had, I had someone up there at the time who was waiting for me and, uh, Lord bless her soul. She was waiting up there on me for three hours. I was much delayed due to my body shutting down, but, uh, all of a sudden I heard her voice and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm here. Like I, I thought I was still going for, you know, another three hours. But yeah. It was kind of sudden because I didn't know where I was, but I was picking up steam. And then, <laughs> and then it was funny because you cross the finish line, you're feeling good. And then the adrenaline dumps and yeah. you lose that headspace. All of a sudden you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. Yeah. So you're no longer in the mode of accumulating wins. Yeah. Yeah. And then your body really starts to feel what had right. actually happened. Yeah. Now you just want a cheeseburger. Oh, I think I just wanted to crawl into a hole. I remember <laughs> I was not able to go to the shower after that. We, we drove back to the campsite, right? There's a little camp shower right there. And um, at these Two minutes away, right? And in that yeah. two-minute drive, driving from the car to the campsite, I try to get out of the car. I look over. I'm like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta help me to the shower. Like, I, I literally can't walk right now." <laughs> yeah. So it's funny you say that. I, you know, I, I met with my uh, my dad recently, and and he's a guy that's been very successful in business. You know, and people talk on a regular basis of, "Oh, I want to make six figures," right? And then when they become a millionaire and what does that feel like? And then when they become a multimillionaire and, and he's a guy that's achieved that. And I remember him telling me the moment that he realized he was a millionaire, he was sitting in his office and he was calculating net worth and he's, you know, he's an accountant by training and he's running the numbers and my mom walks by the office. This is at his at, at their house, and he says, "Hey, I just figured out that uh, we're millionaires." And my mom looks at him and says, "Oh, that's nice." And he says, <laughs> "Do you feel any different?" She goes, "No." Yeah, neither do I. And achieving a goal of whatever that accomplishment is, hitting the top of the Grand Canyon, becoming a millionaire it's almost anticlimactic mm. and all of the hard work and all of the stuff that you've been carrying with you, you, you start to feel it, but it's, it, it, it's more so about the process is what I'm hearing from your story and what I've heard from you in the past that the winds built up to this thing. Then you got to deal with all the shit, the, uh, the body breaking down, you're tired at the end of it. But it's not just about getting to the destination. It was about the process that you went to to get to the destination. 100%. That was my biggest takeaway. You know what you're made of on yeah. that way out of the Grand Canyon, going through that pain, that process. I was That was the accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. The accomplishment was the process. Absolutely. Yeah, what, a, what, a, what an amazing experience. Now, fast forward a little bit. You've done a lot of different things. You've traversed these volcanoes. You've 
ran the rim to rim to rim. And then at a certain point, you had an idea to do the <clears throat> world and world W-U-R-L, uh, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so explain to our listeners what the world is and where did you come up with this crazy idea? So it's the Wasatch Ultimate Ridgeline Linkup. Okay, Wasatch Ultimate Ridgeline Linkup. So what is that? Uh, it's basically a series of, I, I can't remember the number right now, but I think it's 18 to 22 mountains strung together. You start at the uh, valley floor in Salt Lake City. You climb up to the top of the ridge that separates Big and Little Cottonwood Canyon. Yeah. You take that ridge all the way down around the ski resorts, come on back, hit Lone Peak, and come back down to the valley floor. Which Lone Peak is, if, if you if you stare at it long enough, is one of the most beautiful it's a great peak. Oh, it's an unbelievable. Yeah, I love that peak. Okay, so you're doing anywhere between 18 to 24, 22 peaks. Uh-huh. Okay. And you did it in how much time? I think it was, I think it wound up taking me 36 hours. Again. 36 hours straight. One. No, not, you, you didn't go home. Yeah. You didn't go flick, uh, turn on Netflix and chill. 36 hours out in the mountains. It's because his phone didn't have any battery. Uh, my cell phone legitimately did die. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It actually was a problem because I lost con uh, contact with my support team. Oh, wow. Um, and, and of course, like we were talking about before, the mind goes to bad places. Yeah. I couldn't find my support team. And uh, brain just totally goes to boot. Yeah. And uh, I start, I said, oh, my friends must have left me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to turn around and, uh, and head back down. So just, yeah. just bail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of sandwiches. So what else am I going to do? I'm out of sandwiches. <laughs> no more ham sandwiches. <laughs> no so sandwiches. This, this was one of the things, Matt, that when you and I've talked about this a few times now, that when you, there was a moment in the middle of the night when you're doing the whirl where you hit, I would say almost desperation, mm -hmm. right? You, you were you were done. You you told me I believe that this was one of the lowest points you've been at in your life, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about that for a second because we've we've talked a little bit about this in uh, the podcast. We you know we had a uh, uh, Todd Sylvester who is he helps people through addiction and recovery and whatnot. And we talked a lot about suicide and obviously you're not in a suicidal moment at this point, but you were in a pretty low moment. And I think that all of us get to those low moments in life. And there was a point where you told me, Steve, I just laid down on the trail and looked up. Walk our listeners through that moment and what that felt like. Cause I think there's a lot of people that are going to relate to what you went through. Yeah. Well, it was, it was right after I couldn't find my friends, mm -hmm. right? And so I thought my friends had bailed because um, I was running late because my body was shutting down. Um, so no friends, no food, no water, right? And I, I had decided to turn around, got too tired, and uh, laid down on the trail, looking up at the stars, just wondering what I was going to do. Decided, yeah, I should probably just sleep here on this alpine ridge, super exposed in the middle of the night. And this was at what time at night? I think it was probably 1130. Okay. I'd started at 330. Or, yeah, I think I got on the trail at 3 a.m. that day. 
Okay. So 3 a.m., you've gone through the entire day. We're talking about 1130 at night. Yep. It's dark. Yep. You're in the middle of the mountains. Yep. And you're laying down on a trail. Yeah, it was bad. It was in a bad place. I remember cussing out my friends because I thought they left me. Mm-hmm. They're they're just like right over the ridge. I just can't find them because I'm so confused. They're great friends. Silly, silly. And they waited the whole time. They waited and the whole time. Yeah. They waited multiple right. hours for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. True homies. Yeah. Uh, gosh. But I think in that moment, you know, again, you kind of go through all the scenarios, the survival scenarios, uh, everything that, that can play out, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it's, you know, getting played out in your head. Um, but again, came back to that point of taking a few deep breaths, mm. started the process all over again, right? And I probably took a few more deep breaths than I did in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was at a much worse place. You know, I was angry at myself that I didn't train hard enough. I was angry at my friends that they weren't there. I, th- I didn't think they were there, right? It's like a lot of anger going through my head. But started the process. Deep breaths. Yeah. Took some deep breaths. Probably, probably took 10 minutes of deep breaths. And then finally was able to start focusing on the positives, right? Again, still got all my hands, all my legs, oxygen in the air. I, I can still move. I laid down because I was so tired that I couldn't move and at that point. bats flying above you at this point. Bats flying above me. Right? Yeah, very a lot of exposure at that point on the trail too. Yeah. And, uh, and for, I've been for alone for... That haven't been out in, the, in moments like that. Like I've been out there on the trail at times where I thought, holy shit, I'm all by myself and you can feel completely exposed. Yeah. I mean, you never know when you're on a trail in the middle of the night, you don't know what's out there. Uh, Mountain lions, cougars, like you never hear them. You don't see them. You don't hear them. That's, that's what is, what they're great at. And so bats flying above your head, you know, you don't know what's out there and your mind can go to crazy, crazy places. Yep. You're literally exposed in every way. Yeah. And I think at that point, <laughs> I think at that point, yeah, I just, I didn't know what was up from down Yeah. at that point. Yeah. I'd been alone for so long too. That was another thing that had gotten to me. I was alone for the majority of those. I don't know how, how long I'd been out there at that point, 20 hours. Yeah. 20 hours. So it was a very lonely feeling, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I wasn't lonely. Maybe there was a mountain lion right around the corner. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I just remember feeling very we'll alone. the mountain lion. He was there with you. I, that's right. Don't worry. If his name was Cosmo the Cougar, you were fine. He just was. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that feeling of uh, of loneliness was was pretty intense at that point. Yeah. laying down. Uh, so how did you overcome the loneliness and get going? Well, again, ran through all the scenarios in my head. And one <laughs> of the scenarios was that I had simply gotten the, um, the point mixed up at which we were going to meet. Hmm. I thought we we're going to meet on one side of the ridge. Maybe they were just on the other side of the ridge. I didn't really want to cross the ridge because it was pretty exposed ridge and it was past the point at which I could bail. Again, mine's in a bad place. So for the past hour and a half, I've been planning the conversation of 
how I'm going to tell my friends I'm bailing on this trip. Thanks for coming up, but we're going to go head back down now. And I was getting really mad at them for them not knowing that I wanted to bail and not meeting me, you know, closer to the point at which we could bail out on the route. Yeah. 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 Which when you logically think about it, doesn't make any sense at all. Right. right. How would, how would the they know that? Of the bail? So much sense. It, it really did at the time. You yeah. Wrote the shit out of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love Just it. making a lot of scenarios up yeah. in my head. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, I, you know, kind of came to the senses, did a few deep breaths and, and, and the positives, honestly, a positive was I might've just misunderstood where we were meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. And my brain was simply out of control and not thinking through things. So I decided I would go to the very last so again, point. Going to some self accountability here. You're saying, Hey, a positive is maybe I screwed this up. Maybe I misunderstood. Mm-hmm. How many times in our life have we said that to ourselves? The positive is I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Which turns out it was the biggest positive because I was wrong. <laughs> it proved to be true. I went further down the trail and I found my friends there. They were hunkered down in this little cave because it was, you know, cold and windy. And uh, they'd been sitting there for two hours waiting for me, just shivering. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, eventually thought, you know, they might be just up a little bit and yeah, made the next step. I traversed the little exposed part of the ridge to see if they were there. Sure enough, they were there, hmm. right? They were able to give me a box of Junior Mints, not pizza, Casey, but uh, Junior Mints. Yeah. Hey, it works. I crushed Junior Mints, a box of Junior Mints at about 7.3 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And oh, eventually kept mints. going. Yeah, <laughs> so at crazy. that point, your, your girlfriend was there. She mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm going to go with you. Yep. And you guys finished this thing out. How long did it take you to do the URL, W-R-L? How long was the time? Or what was the, the time? The total time was 36 hours. 36 hours. That's it, unbelievable. It was real weird when I saw the sun rise for a second time on the trip, and I still hadn't slept. So your girlfriend met you. You guys finished it together. Mm-hmm. And then two of your friends right, mm-hmm. that had been your support crew met you partway down mm-hmm. Bell Canyon, mm-hmm. right? That was where you were coming down, Bell Canyon. And uh, what, what was that experience like to see them at the end of the journey? It was honestly amazing. Remember before, the, the hardest part mentally for me was the loneliness that I had felt in that low moment. Yeah, yeah. So seeing them again for a second time, keep in mind, right, they, they hike essentially eight miles and 3000 vertical feet to meet me for the support stop on top of the Pfeiffer horn. And I meet them at 1130 PM. Yeah. Two, three hours have passed when you were planning on it. Yep. They go back down the trail. Yep. Right. So they're not getting back till one or two, three in the morning, something like that. They go and buy a couple of burritos and hike up Bell's Canyon without sleeping. Yeah in order to help me see this thing through. Yeah. So when I saw him, it was just this amazing feeling of, I, I'm not alone. Mm. I've got an amazing community around me that's gonna help push me, see me through my goals, and is gonna be there with me. Yeah. Here, here's what I love about your story. Not only is it one that is an indomitable will, like you have just said, 
I'm going to make this happen. But I think it goes to what we've also learned multiple times on this podcast that we don't accomplish anything by ourselves. There is a tribe of people that help us to get there. And even when you don't think you have a tribe, even when there is a moment in the middle of the night where you feel as alone as can be, that right over that ridge, right over the toughest moment, there's always a tribe there. Mm-hmm. Even it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what that ridge looks like. There's always a tribe that's there to help and support you. So you got down to the bottom of Bell Canyon, burritos waiting for you. I'm assuming you ate the burritos right there. You didn't wait till you got to the bottom. Yeah, no, no. I ate the burritos up there. Yeah. yeah, in the canyon, for sure. What was it like to get to the bottom, almost arm in arm, hand in hand, with your girlfriend and a couple of other friends with you? Oh, it was great. It was, again, that feeling of, it was probably that feeling of, I absolutely could not have done this by myself. And I, I have that tribe mm. with me. Like there is no possible way I was completing that route without anybody else. Yeah. And, and they were there through, you know, sleepless light nights for, yeah. for all three of those guys. They did, they, they sacrificed a night of sleep. Yeah. Right. To help me yeah. out, to wander through some random mountains and, uh, and get the job done. So I owe it all to them. Honestly, mm. that was the feeling. What an amazing experience. I mean, to think about what you went through personally, but like I said, there's always a tribe that's there. And I think for our listeners that are working on their personal growth, their personal evolution, there's always a tribe that's out there to help them to get to that next level. So how many people truly challenge themselves the way that they do? Now, Matt, one of the things that I want to touch on before we start to wrap up here is you mentioned to me that um, some time ago, a lot of the things that you do or that you have done have been solo based, meaning that you're, you're running the rim to rim, you're doing the world. And you said, you know what, Steve, I'm, I'm going more into this tribe, this community. I'm getting other people involved with me. What, what was it that made you make the shift from personal accomplishment and personal achievement to bringing other people into the mix? It's a great question. I think originally the, the first thing I saw, I saw was I I started to not be able to accomplish these things by myself. Like there's just no way yeah. you're doing it solo. Like you legitimately need a tribe to accomplish some of these goals. So if you wanted to keep going bigger and bigger and the stuff that, you know, I've randomly done, like you just need community. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, I think that's, it was born out of necessity. Um, originally was the fact that, Hey, there's like absolutely no way this thing is getting done without a group of people. And it's kind of evolved in this point where, you know, it's for me now, it's more fun to do it with people because it's about the experiences with people and sharing them with people, you know, doing these fun things. Yeah. Almost less about the route itself and more about the people you're doing it with. Yeah. So you're, this is interesting because you've, uh, you've actually, you've actually posed a question for the evolved community recently set out a uh, shirt 
and the saying that no one's going to save you. But yet in the last two podcasts, we've actually had people talk about community and they don't use the word saving, but for playing with semantics, you get saved by your community. Yeah, you really do. You get get saved. John Abzi spoke well of it. He was very articulate about um, giving credit to so many people around him who contributed to his success. And I, I just, I think that's, at least for me, it's one of the fundamental misconceptions in American culture where you have this lone man who does everything and it's bullshit, you get help. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's your community, whether they're saving you philosophically, psychologically, financially, your community saves you. So I, I think uh, if you've sent the evolved crew back into the tunnel to reassess yeah. <laughs> one of their fundamental tenets. <laughs> it's funny, there's always a dichotomy in life, right? I mean, you think about this dichotomy of nobody is coming to save you. You've got to evolve. There's that personal accountability. But I think that in a way, it's not the opposite. It's just, it's another piece to it that you have to have this tribe, right? In order for yeah. you to accomplish everything you've accomplished, there is a tribe that's been there to help you to accomplish what you have wanted to accomplish. So, yeah, I, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, it's both. I mean, it's a mixture of. Around. Go ahead, Matt. I think it's a mixture, you know, of. Hey, you take personal accountability, right? You don't blame the community, but you can't accomplish it without the community. Yeah, right. I think a lot of people will try to blame the community instead of be saved by the community, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just think there's this duality of thinking. It's like, it's a purely almost Western form of thinking. It's almost like the mind-body split, where realistically there is no mind body split they no, work in concert they work in concert with each other at any given time one may have primacy over the other you know if i'm contemplating a philosophical issue you know there's nothing really physical i can do to get there but <clears throat> the physicality is supporting my ability to think about a particular issue and if i'm challenging myself physically or actually listening to you, Matt, challenging yourself physically, and then listen to the part of you where the mental component has to start to help drive the physicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we, it's in this, I don't know, we're in the culture, we have this, this duality, and I don't think it's dual. I think it's holistic. I think your personal accountability puts you in a place of a certain community that can then save and assist you. You know, like if you weren't a climber and a runner and all those things, you wouldn't have that community. You'd be in another community. But mm-hmm. so so there is no, there is the personal accountability and the personal accountability puts you in a place where others can come and assist you because they see, oh, this person is personally accountable. He or she has done this. Let's throw some assistance. And there's your community saving and help. And I think it's all one thing. It's not 
these disparate elements. It's a holistic thing. I mean, I listened to your journey sounded more about the the mental and the steps you had to take to get to this other place. And it sounds it's like a phenomenal journey. I mean, you know, and I've never run anything like that, but I want to go do it now with my bad ear. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you're going to disrupt it. Yeah, that's uh, what, how I'm going to disrupt it. What what an amazing story! And uh, and and on that yeah. note, I think it's time for us to wrap up another Revolve podcast. Uh, but we do want to thank our guest Matt Carlin for joining us. Uh, I want to thank my co-host, uh, a man who ran once, uh, Mr. Las Vegas. Uh, he had to jump off. He had another appointment he had to go to, so he made it partway through. Uh, Casey Mitchell and the man who rode the tram one time to the top of the mountain. <laughs> well, Matt ran 22 of them. Uh, Mr. W. Miles Riley. We've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our listeners, took something that will help you in your personal evolution uh, Matt, I know you still do a little bit of personal coaching and nutrition work with people. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, they could email me. Uh, MattBCarlin at gmail.com. MattBCarlin at gmail.com. Easy as that. Awesome. So here's a guy who has lived it, who has taught it, and who has done some amazing things. Uh, guys, we want you to follow us at evolve underscore cast on Instagram uh, tonight. Miles is or today, I should say, Miles is wearing his disrupt long sleeve uh, T-shirt. I am wearing the real men meditate T-shirt. And I, I got to tell you, I, I know we're promoting our gear and you're going to say, Steve, Miles, you guys are full of shit. But I, I wash this T-shirt a couple of times now. It fits even better. And I love the length on it. It's amazing. So follow us at evolve underscore cast uh, on Instagram. Go to evolve hyphen cast.com to take a look at everything we have there. All of our blogs for our episodes, all of our gear, everything is on there. Miles, um, if they want to look as amazing as you, how do they get that disrupt T-shirt? Well, um, Go to the Evolve Podcast website and shop. We've got crazy gear now. We've got colorful gear. We've got the Disrupt shirts, as Steve just mentioned. We've got the um, Real Men Meditate. I think we're having conversations about um, having gummies and edibles. <laughs> New shirts coming. Yeah. No, we got. No, I'm just kidding about the gummies and the edibles. Jazz we got. We got mugs, we've got water bottles, um, we've got phone cases, we got almost everything. So go give a look, pick out something that speaks to your soul and have fun. Yeah, we appreciate uh, everybody who's jumped on, picked up some of our gear. It does help us. Uh, also, jump on to whatever your favorite podcast app is, give us a rating. It helps us to get out there more. Uh, we're really grateful for everybody that listens, gives us a rating, yep. buys our gear. It uh, really just fuels this passion that we have for helping to uh, spread the word about personal evolution. So we want to thank you, our listeners, for listening to another Evolve episode of the Evolve podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws out at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.